listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey listeners, before we get to today's interview, I want to tell you about an exciting development. Grief Out Loud recently partnered with BetterHelp. Have you heard of them? They provide online counseling and support with licensed counselors via video, phone call, real-time chat, and messaging. When BetterHelp reached out to us to ask if we wanted to partner, we thought, well, we better try it before we recommend it to you. So a few weeks ago, I signed up and got connected to a local counselor. It's been great. You know how when you try to find a counselor, especially in the before times, it took a lot of work? When you do finally connect with someone, you might have had to trek across town or even to a different town, navigating traffic and scheduling. With BetterHelp, I got connected in just a few days. The scheduling was super easy, and the commute just required me to walk across my house to a different room. If you're needing support and counseling, give BetterHelp a try. You can sign up using our specific Grief Out Loud link. It's betterhelp.com forward slash grief, and you'll get 10% off your first month. So once again, it's betterhelp.com forward slash grief. Okay, here's today's interview. How many of you have found yourself wanting to find a reason why your person died? Not the actual physical cause of death, but the more metaphysical existential reason. Like, why did this happen to them? Why did this happen to me? What is the point of all this pain and loss? That's a question that Beth French wrestled with after her mother Susan died of cancer when Beth was in her early 20s. In the middle of wrestling with the why did this happen to me question, Beth wrote a blog post. It was just after the second Christmas holiday without her mom. The blog post, Black Holes and Big Dreams, got a lot of traction, and other young adults dealing with grief reached out to say thank you. Thank you for getting it and for articulating what this grief feels like for me. From that blog post, Beth went on to start Let's Talk About Loss in December of 2016, about a year and a half after her mother died. Let's Talk About Loss started as a series of meetups, a chance for young adults ages 18 to 35 in the UK to get together and connect in a less formal way than a traditional support group. From those early meetups, Let's Talk About Loss has expanded across the UK. Now, in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, those in-person meetups are on hold, but that hasn't stopped Let's Talk About Loss. Beth and the rest of her team are offering online opportunities to connect, including workshops on things like creative writing, a pen pal program called Share My Grief, which is available to anyone across the globe, and grief playlists on Spotify. One thing to know, I made a mistake. When Beth and I started our interview, I said she was our first international guest, and I was totally wrong. We've had two guests from Canada, Rachel Ricketts and Elisa Forneray. So big apologies to our Canadian listeners. Beth, thank you so much for being part of Grief Out Loud today. You are officially our first international guest on the show. So I'm so glad you're here. That is so exciting, but I'm sad that I didn't get a trip to the US out of this (laughs) podcast opportunity. And sadly, I am still 
in Bristol in England wishing that I could have got free flights. <laughs> well, possibly in the before times prior to COVID-19, that might have been a better opportunity than it is right now. So I wanted to start talking about your mom, Susan, who died when you were 20, and that's just about five years ago now. When you think of your mother, what do you picture and what do you remember? My mom was such a joyful, loving woman. I was really lucky in that I had a really like blissful, idyllic childhood. And I think she was just so full of love and so when I picture her it's all it's with her arms open you know going in for a hug that her children were like everything to her so me my sister and my brother were just like her proudest achievements and she would just always be gushing about us and she was very selfless in that she would always put us first and be sort of elevating us and talking about us and I think that's what I just miss the most I mean I miss her hugs right now I miss hugs (laughs) from everyone um but I just miss her hugs and I miss that just that overwhelming sense you know that I was so so loved she's amazing and your mom died of cancer and in that process what kinds of conversations if any I'm just thinking of your mom, like putting everybody else first and what it was like for her to be going through a process of her, her body starting to fail and, and wondering like, how did she talk with you about that process? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I try and remember when I'm grieving that, you know, my mom wasn't perfect. And sometimes I think when you're grieving someone, you can almost like forget all the bad things they did (laughs) so actually one thing that frustrated me a lot um after mum died was that she hadn't really talked about it in the way that I wanted to talk about it with us so mum was very private person very family orientated and so when she was first diagnosed um was just a week before I started university so I was just about uh, 18 years old I was just going off to uni and she just wanted me I think to not be worrying about her and to have a really normal experience of university so she hid quite a lot of the extent of her diagnosis with me so I knew she had cancer but because she's my mum and you sort of believe everything your parents tell you when she told me that she would almost certainly recover and be right as rain in a couple of years, I just believed her. And coupled with that, she was very lucky in that when she had chemotherapy, she didn't lose her hair. Um, You know, she was still able to work for quite a long time. So maybe from the outside, she didn't look as sick as she was. And then, you know, even up to the very, very end, she just wanted to protect us and she just never allowed us to have those conversations. She was stubbornly (laughs) saying, you know, no, we don't need to talk about that. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get better. You know, even a couple of days before she died, the vicar came round to talk about what she might want for a funeral. 
and she just sent him packing. She was like, no, I don't <laughs> want to talk about this. Off you go. That frustrated me because I wanted to, I wanted to have those conversations about what it would be like without her. And, you know, I was only 20. So I was like a vet, I was a young woman. I wasn't a child, but I didn't feel fully like an adult. So I wanted to have those conversations with her about my wedding or my children or, you know, things that would happen in the future that she wouldn't be around for. And she just didn't want those at all. But then also part of me thinks that actually it was amazing how she dealt with it, how strong she was. And actually she must have just been terrified and, and didn't want to burden her children you know, with any of that fear. So then, so then I think, well, you know, that's just how she had to deal with it. So, so I have to sort of put up with that, you know, and make peace with it. Yeah, that that dissonance that exists between recognizing that sometimes how people die is really reflective of how they lived, which it sounds like from just knowing a little bit of your mom talking to you right now, she lived from a place of protecting her children, being really focused on other people. And then, yeah, and then also like, but I also, as the, as the child who's being protected, it sounds like it, it wasn't even as much that you wanted to talk about her death. You wanted to talk about your life moving forward without her and, and get input from her of what she thought about those different events that were going to occur for you over time. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I've now, I've now got married. And so I ha- I've had my wedding day without her. And I just, you know, I just would have loved to say to her, what, you know, what's it like your wedding day? What's it like when you wake up on the morning and, and you're about to get married? You know, little things like that. But then I wonder if actually, maybe I'm only remembering those sort of questions in hindsight, you know, maybe at the time they would have been too painful for me as well. And so often we can't forecast really what we're going to want to know five years from now or 10 years from now when we're living in the moment of what's right in front of us. And you mentioned earlier being like not quite an adult, but not quite a teen that like in between place that so many people exist for a variety, a, a varying amount of years. And, you know, as young adulthood, whatever that really means, I, I'm curious your sense. And I know you've talked to a lot of other people in that same age range who have had parents and siblings die. What stands out as unique of grieving in your early 20s versus maybe later in your life or earlier as a child? Yeah, I mean, I always caveat this with, I can only know my own grief really well, you know? So, so my experience of losing my mum when I was 20 is actually completely different, you know, even to another young woman who was bereaved of her mother, you know? But for me, the real unique nature of loss during this time when you're sort of I guess it's a transitional time isn't it so when you turn 18 you you might sort of legally become an adult and I know in the US there's there's slightly different age range for things so you know you might you might be driving you might be heading off to a new place of education you might be moving out of home for the first time so there's quite a lot of changes and I think that more so than any other period in your life 
you and your circumstances change quite quickly. So both your sort of personality is really changing as you decide who you are and, and become more maybe fixed in the personality that you're going to have as an adult rather than in your teens where you're trying out lots of different things. And also your circumstances change in that, you know, your location might change, your environment might change, the people around you might change. So I feel like there's so much going on in that time that throwing a bereavement in there as well can be very, very unsettling and destabilizing. And that's not to say that it isn't at any other time. But I think there is uh, quite a unique experience of grief during that age range. And that thing where, that I said where you're not a child, but you're not an adult, I think that can be quite a dangerous place to be bereaved in because you can't react like a child because people would say, come on, you know, you're, you're not a child. You, you need to you know, grow up and deal with this but you're not ready to grieve like an adult because you've had no real, you know, knowledge or experience of what's that, what that is like. So once you're my dad's age, lots of his peers are bereaved. So he can, he knows what bereavement looks like as an adult. Whereas for me at 20, I just thought this is a whole new world. And I'm the first person that I know really well who's arrived at this new world. And that's a really scary place to be. No one wants to be the first one to <laughs> step out. I always want to follow someone, learn from their mistakes first, you know? Yeah, so like becoming a, a grief trailblazer in a sense in your own life since you didn't have any other experience really to look back on to say like, oh, here's a little bit of a map, even though each death is so different, but like, oh, I kind of remember this, or I kind of know what happens next. And 18 months after your mom died, you wrote a blog post called Black Holes and Big Dreams. And it really talks about that in the intense loneliness after your mom died. And then that blog post grew into your organization today, the Let's Talk About Loss. Tell us a little bit about like, how did that happen? How did you go from a blog post to a whole organization all about grief? Yeah, gosh, I didn't necessarily set out to start a whole organisation. <laughs> That's maybe how it happens sometimes, isn't it? I wrote the blog post just after Christmas. And, you know, Christmas is so hard. But we just had actually our second Christmas without mum. And I'd found it even harder than the first Christmas. Because you realise in the second round of tough days that, the first one wasn't a one-off or a, or a weird, strange time where she just wasn't there this time, but she'll be back next time. You get to the second anniversary or Christmas or whatever, and you think, oh man, this, this is what it's like now going forward. This is the new normal. I was finding that really tough. And I, you talked there about the fact that the blog post is full of the loneliness I was feeling. And the irony is I wasn't alone in that I had my siblings, my dad was wonderful, had loads of friends, a really good support network. But I don't think you necessarily have to be alone to feel loneliness. And I was feeling like no one really understood me. 
so like a true millennial, I thought, I'll write this all down, put it out on social media for the whole world to see. And I guess I didn't expect much to happen, but the blog post, blog post got a really fantastic reaction and loads of people were saying, this is exactly how I feel. You've explained my inner thoughts that I didn't think anyone else knew. And so I realised I had to sort of do something with that. I'd almost stumbled across this sort of community online. And I thought, yeah, I, I want to sort of lean into this and, and I want to discover more. And so I just started blogging more and sharing my story. And then other people got involved and said, can I write a blog? So I started sharing other people's stories. It was 2018, so uh, three years on from losing mum. And I was living in Nottingham in the UK at the time. I finished university, I was started work, had a great group of friends, but I just felt like no one understood my grief in other than this like online world that I'd created and all these people I was chatting to through the blogs. So I essentially decided I would create a friendship group for myself full of bereaved people. I thought they must be out there somewhere. I'll, I'll drag them all in and force them to be friends with me. And so we put on our first meetup. Um, it's called a meetup now. Back then it was just a sort of, does anyone want to hang out and talk about grief and people did people came along and I thought this is amazing I want to hang out with these people all the time because they get it they don't say the wrong thing or ask the wrong questions yeah and then it just sort of spiraled from there really yeah and today I mean I was in getting ready to talk with you like going through all the different aspects of let let's talk about loss and I know there's the meetups which are on pause now because of COVID-19. But there's so much other stuff, so many other projects that you all are doing. I was having a hard time even finding my way through. So I was wondering if you could talk with us a little, like what are some of the other projects and and what did the meetups grow into prior to, to the pandemic shutdown? Yeah. So the meetups is the primary work that we do. We have 22 meetup um, groups in the UK. And essentially, they're just, I mean, from the outside, you'd maybe think it was just a group of friends hanging out. You know, that's the aim. They're, it's peer support. So they're led by young people who are bereaved themselves. Young people aged 18 to 35 can come along to those meetups. So really that transitional period that we spoke about. And it's just a space to talk about loss, but also talk about other things you know and just make friends so people have moved to a new city and found the let's talk about loss group really helpful because it's just a way of meeting new people you know and that's a real positive thing for me because I guess when I thought about the support that was already on offer for me that I could find a lot of it was what I would think of as quite a traditional support group where there was like hard chairs sat in a circle in, um, in a basement and you had, yeah, yeah dark dingy room and you had to say who you'd lost and people might cry and 
for me that just didn't feel appropriate and what I needed at that moment and I know that works for some people but it didn't for me so the idea of let's talk about loss is that it's a fun place to be you know it's a safe space but it's fun and and you can enjoy you know you can laugh and smile and do things that bereaved people in quotation marks might not be expected to do and then from the meetups really just grew all these other projects as you mentioned one that I'm particularly proud of is a project called share my grief it's essentially a pen pal scheme so anyone across the world um, can join in and we've we've already got some international pen pals which is amazing and it was born out of an idea from uh, Kate, a girl who comes along to our group in Cardiff in Wales. And she lost her brother. And she said, I just want to write to someone. I don't even want to meet them. I just want to write to someone who gets it. And this romantic idea of writing letters to someone who you really connect with, you know, it doesn't always have to be sort of romance in terms of like, you know, a long lost lover, but actually just writing to someone and for me that encapsulated everything about let's talk about loss because we are so passionate about young people talking about their loss but actually not everyone is ready to talk or you know for some people walking into a a restaurant or a cafe and joining a meetup and and having to sort of talk with basic basically strangers is really scary so the pen pal scheme is a really good option or first step I guess for people who want to start processing their grief and start sharing it but maybe a bit more you know of a private way only that pen pal you know can see what you're sharing with them whether you're writing or emailing or texting or whatever. And so for our listeners who are primarily in the US although we do have listeners all around the world you mentioned that this the um, share my grief that's something they could participate in they could go on the website and they could get connected with someone that they can write letters and postcards to uh, focused on grief absolutely and you know I actually love the idea of that being global because there are lots of differences you know between the UK and the US or you know all countries across the world but grief is so universal you know like now when we're all experiencing this pandemic and and all the countries are experiencing it differently but we all know the pain of what the pandemic has meant for our sort of daily lives and I think it's the same with grief you know everyone's grief is so unique but it's made it's amazing to connect with someone who's maybe, you know, in distance terms, quite far away, but can understand something so fundamental to who you are as a person. Yeah, I go back to that a lot in our in-person peer support groups, which right now are Zoom meetings. So no more uncomfortable chairs. People can sit wherever they want (laughs) in our groups. And I think specifically about the groups for the 18, we run groups from 18 to 26 and then 26 to 40. So we've really kind of expanded that young adult range. And I think about the idea of connection 
and perspective. And it seems like throughout the time together of talking, people really bounce back and forth between like, we all get it, here's how we connect, and we're all so different, and here's our perspective. And I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of how grief is universal, but it's not equitable, and that there are communities, communities of color that are disproportionately affected by the deaths of people in their life at earlier ages or... And so I love this idea of being able to connect on a global scale where you can see the perspective and and also the human connection. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I have loved so much about running Let's Talk About Loss is obviously it came from a personal grief and a response to losing my mum. But it's I've learned so much more about grief just from connecting with lots of different people and hearing their different grief journeys and stories. And I just think that is so powerful. And I think at times you need to sort of crawl back into your own grief and and really sort of feel that pain quite intensely. But at other times, because you've experienced it yourself, you've got such empathy to listen to others and and support others and and really sort of open yourself up to the grief community and I think your own grief is is very positively impacted by that and by knowing other people um, you know who are bereaved so there's the in-person meetups which are on pause then there's the share my grief pen pal experience that people can participate in from all around the world what are some of the other projects happening for Let's talk about loss. Well, at the moment, like everyone else, we are trying to do lots of online support. And we're, we're thinking about what that looks like now. Also wrestling with the idea of talking about loss and whether that is, whether it's right for everyone, whether everyone wants to talk. And so we've been trying to do some workshops online. So we did one already, which is up on our YouTube channel, which is around creative writing about your loss. So for me, it's, it's still sort of with it, you know, within the mission, even though we're let's talk about loss, you know, just simply being able to process that grief and experience it in a new way. And I think creative writing it's really powerful, even if you don't show anyone what you've written, just being able to write about your loss. And we've got an amazing workshop um, coming soon from a wonderful woman in the UK who does spoken word poetry. So thinking about how we could sort of create poetry out of talking about our loss and, and create, again, create something beautiful using our voices. And we've got lots of stuff going on. Just next week, we've got um, a workshop with a calligrapher. Um, So just learning to write beautifully. And she's been bereaved herself and she writes grief cards. So um, uses her beautiful calligraphy skill, you know, to to sort of support other bereaved young people. And, And also a lot of these ideas are coming from within our community. So So people who are bereaved who maybe come along to our meetups and say, actually, one way I like to talk about my grief is is in this way. We've got an amazing young woman in the Bristol group, which is where I live and the group that I attend. And she's a comedian. 
and she wrote this fantastic comedy show <laughs> about her dad dying and it was like so funny and so sad at the same time but I think we're just trying to explore these different things and because they're online anyone can join in you know anyone can watch a video on YouTube anyone can sign up to a workshop so they are absolutely open to listeners in the US or or anywhere in the world and I think for us it's just about encouraging people to talk about their grief you know whatever that looks like whether that's talking writing you know comedy poetry calligraphy whatever it is just starting that conversation and breaking down the taboo um, is is really important to us yeah I love that there's so many different options for ways for people to get involved and also like being really like using some critical analysis about that idea of talking I think that is such a default for so many folks of like, oh, something challenging has happened. I've had someone die. Talking is the only way that I'm going to be able to process this or or get some understanding of what's going on and, and like how that just sort of cuts off every other part of ourselves, like our bodies and our emotions and our creativity. So it's, it's great that through these workshops, you're able to tap into some of those other ways of of connecting and expressing you talked about how like in grief, you sometimes you go back into the privacy, the cocoon of your own pain, and then you go out and connect with others and, and maybe learn from their experiences. I'm curious for you in the last few years of being part of Let's Talk About Loss, how has that shifted or changed your personal grief about your mom's death? Yeah, that is a great question. I needed to find a reason why mum had died and I really wrestled with that for a long time and I almost felt like what is my purpose now it was quite a big you know I really struggled with my mental health for quite a long time and and my grief was painful and raw for for quite a long time and and there's you know there's no real set length of time that your grief should be raw and painful when I observed how my family members were coping, I was thinking, gosh, you know, I'm not I'm coping differently to them. And in my mind, I was thinking I'm coping worse than them, which, again, isn't true. But we learn, don't we? We learn all the time in grief. And for me, I needed to find something that gave me that purpose, even though, even though I would give it all up to have my mum back running let's talk about loss makes me feel like i'm doing something beautiful out of this pain it's cliche but i always feel like you know out of the ashes comes the phoenix you know i feel stronger and more resilient from taking this pain and and turning it into something and that is not to say that my pain has gone away or that i've got over grief because i don't believe that happens but I feel like now I am more in control of my grief and I can, I can sort of decide when, when I want it to really hurt me. So I'll let myself have days where I'm just overwhelmed with sadness and just want to cry and stay in bed and pull the duvet over my eyes. But I also have something to channel all those feelings into I'm just, I, you know, I'm really proud of, of let's talk about loss. And I feel that mum would just be so 
overwhelmingly proud that you know that that I created it and that's not to say that you know my sister and my brother who didn't start a charity you know she she would also be so so proud of them I felt like I was stumbling around in the dark for a long time and I needed to you know find the light switch essentially and turn it on and be like right you know this is what I'm going to do about this this is how I can control it but you know my grief doesn't go away just because I'm supporting other people in their grief does not mean that I am not still experiencing that pain and you know even in the UK yesterday was Father's Day and so even though my dad is still around I felt a real pain yesterday because I guess I was like grieving with all my like fatherless friends you know I know their pain because I feel it on Mother's Day (laughs) and so I guess you know I still have times when my grief is very present and very raw but I also feel now that I'm I'm channeling it into something really beautiful and really meaningful and that for me is what sort of kept me kept me going when it's been really painful. There was something you said a little bit ago. Let's spark this question that might be kind of a weird question. So you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. <laughs> but you had said like when your mom first died, you were really driven by this quest to like find a reason why she died. Like why did she die? And, and I hear so many people talk about that, which makes sense, right? Like this unfathomable thing has just occurred this crater has just been cracked open in our world and we want to know like okay there better have been a good reason for why I'm going through all this pain right now and back then or even now looking back at it do you have a sense of what would have been a satisfying reason that is such a good question that is such a good question I don't think I would ever have found a reason that satisfied me fully But now that I can see how many people I'm helping through Let's Talk About Loss and, you know, it's it's not just me, but just from, you know, from me sort of, you know, putting in a bit of behind the scenes work to sort of create something, they're finding that support and opening up and supporting each other. And now I feel like, okay, maybe this was always the plan. So I'm a Christian and I believe that God has a plan for my life. So I always felt like, why would my mum dying be part of the plan? You know, that's not nice. That's not like a plan that I would have chosen. But now I feel like, okay, maybe this was where my life had to go so that, you know, because if I hadn't been bereaved, I would never have started a charity for bereaved young people. This was, you know, this was not the life plan originally. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that had to happen in order to release me and into this sort of new person that I am now and this new, this work that I'm doing. But actually in, in itself, that is a very painful thought, isn't it? Because actually, as I said earlier, I would give it all up to have my mum back and, I've won a couple of sort of small awards and people always say to me, oh, you must be, you must be so happy. And I think, well, yeah, I am, but don't I wish that 
I wasn't even nominated for this award because my mum hadn't died and I could just be chilling on the sofa with my mum right now, you know. Yes, I'm excited to be here, but it's always going to be tinged with that with that sadness. And I, you know, you just have to accept that reality that my my plan A for my life, which is have my mum back, is just is just not an option. So I'm just trying to make the best of you know, plan B and make it as good as I can, I guess. Well, thanks for going with my weird question. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of plans, what's next on the horizon for Let's Talk About Loss? I know right now you're in this place of kind of getting creative about virtual opportunities. Are there other like long-term goals that you have for the organization? I mean, I have so many ideas and dreams that sometimes I think, I need to dream less and, <laughs> and get on with the admin, you know? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I just have so many ideas and, and things that I think, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? But for now, our, our priority, well, our priority for this year was, pre-COVID, was to register formally as a charity in the UK, we have the Charity Commission, so you have to register with them. And that would enable us to just open us up, I guess, to lots more funding opportunities, which would then obviously be really helpful to, to sort of grow and grow sustainably. And also just more meetups. So one of my dreams and aims is that every young person in the UK is within 15 miles of a meetup which is crazy i don't know how much you know about the uk we have a lot of remote (laughs) areas where maybe they're not even 15 minutes from their grocery shop over and above everything i just want young people to be talking about loss and one thing that i always say to our volunteers is that the primary aim of let's talk about loss should be to cease to exist so i want to live in a world where i don't need to run let's talk about loss because everyone already talks about grief in a really healthy safe encouraging way and young people feel so supported by their friends families workplaces schools colleges that they don't need to come along to a meetup isn't that the dream (laughs) But realistically, you know, that change is going to be a long time coming. So expect to see a lot more meetups, a lot more virtual workshops, exploring lots of different things in grief. I I mean, another dream I have is to write a book, but who knows what book I have inside me. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, it's exciting. You know, I always joke with my husband that the dream is just to give up my job work on let's talk about loss turn it into like this world domination you know charity for for everyone everywhere but actually in reality if I can just help you know one other young person like me feel less alone in their grief then I've done a really good thing and, you know, I can go to bed happy. So one or the whole entire world or maybe somewhere in the middle. (laughs) 
Either of those, I'm happy. <laughs> well, Beth, I'm really grateful for Let's Talk About Loss, especially what you were just saying of wanting to create a community and a society where it feels safe and accessible to talk about grief in our everyday lives. So we don't always need just these specific places where we can go since that's so much the mission of the Dougie Center and also this podcast grief out loud. So I'm, I'm excited to know that someone on the other side of the ocean is working on the same thing. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? And I just think it totally shows that there is no you know, the ocean is no barrier to just chat to you and have so much in common and, and be so passionate about the same thing. I just think is amazing. And the grief community is just phenomenal. Everyone should just get involved with, you know, whatever grief community they can find, because it just makes you feel so much less alone, doesn't it? Well, listeners out there, I will link to all the ways that you can connect to Let's Talk About Loss. So that's learning about their virtual workshops, the Share My Grief uh, writing opportunity. And then also, if I know we have listeners out there who live in the UK, and if you haven't heard about Beth's uh, organization, then a way to get connected with one of the meetups. Beth, thanks again for being part of Grief Out Loud today. It was such a joy. I feel like I could chat to you for another (laughs) like three hours. (laughs) It was so lovely. Thank you so much for having me on. And listeners out there, I say this every time, but thank you for being part of our community because, again, otherwise it would just be Beth and I talking to each other and wondering if anyone was listening out there. So we're grateful you're there. If you are new to our show, you can find all of our past episodes at our website, dougy.org forward slash grief out loud. And if you want to connect with me, tell me what the show means to you. If there's an episode that's really been meaningful for you, or if there's someone you want me to connect with in terms of a potential episode, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.